So they usually don't do baseline mammograms until somebody is either entering menopause or is menopausal. And you do a DEXA scan and you get a reading. Five to seven years post-menopause is when the greatest decrease of bone density happens. So right around that 50 to 60 year old range, maybe 55 to early 60s is when you're gonna really get the readings. You go to osteopenia first, and then you go into osteoporosis. And that's when it starts to go here because now you feel fragile and breakable. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. Okay, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. We are talking with Debbie Robinson for a few reasons. It's not just because she's a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. It is not just because she brings awesome energy to this show, but it is because her niche is osteoporosis. Why does this matter? Well, it's a cool topic in general, I must admit. However, as I always tell you guys, if you leave us a review, if you leave us a comment, and you tell us what you'd like to hear, I am always going to do my best to make that happen for you. And so someone left this in a review, and technically we prefer if you leave it as a comment on our Podbean. However, this person also left us a five-star review at the same time. So quite frankly, I have zero complaints, and I would like to send a personal shout-out and thank you to our friend Light. 7777, and then there's like eight more sevens. We really appreciate you leaving a suggestion here for osteoporosis. And how, after 130-something episodes, have we not talked about that? Great idea. With that said, I want to give you guys a little information about Debbie really quick, the person that we will be talking to today. So she helps women find natural approaches to osteoporosis and bone health by helping them identify root causes of their bone loss. She has helped hundreds of women already rescue their spiraling out-of-control bone loss, improve their DEXA scan scores, and learn a lifestyle that leads to a stronger body, bones, and balance so they can live a very active lifestyle forever. At 51, Debbie had a total hip replacement and understands what it feels like to be anxious about your body and bones, so she creates online programs, teaches weekly classes, and hosts live group masterclasses to teach her clients and students that it is possible to reverse bone loss. Outside of the general knowledge that she has, I just love the energy that Debbie brought to this podcast. It'll make this entire 50-60 minutes go by in the blink of an eye, and you will learn something along the way. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. All right. Hey there, Debbie. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited because this was something, and guys, I always tell you to do this, and I listen to you every time. When the audience members reach out and ask a question or request a specific thing, I'm going to do my best to use our network to find someone, and we found someone immediately. See, there's thousands of graduates of FDN out there, so yes, I know a ton of them, but it's not like I have gotten to communicate with every single one of them. And then I find Debbie, and someone was wondering about osteoporosis, and I'm like thinking, I'm like, wow, that doesn't really... I think that came up minorly once on the podcast, and then we kind of brushed over that and went to the next topic. So we have someone here today that actually more or less specializes in this, and we don't technically uh, label it as a specialty in FDN, right? But that's your niche. That's who you're helping with uh, because you might have your own personal story with that, I'm guessing, based on what I've read. And so we're going to start today, though, with the same question we always start with on this podcast, and that is, when did your health symptoms start and what did they look like? Because very few of us get into this work by accident. It's normally because we had our own challenges. Yeah, I'm going to say probably in my 40s as I started to enter approach menopause. So perimenopausal time is when I think I really, I felt like I was walking through quicksand. I got to the place where I was walking through quicksand. Okay. And so what was, what were you happening at that? What was happening specifically at that time? Like, what does that mean? Is that fatigue? Is that just brain yeah. fog? Like, Yeah. I mean, I had little kids. Well, not some little 14, 16 and 18. 
I had burnt the candle at both ends in my 30s mm. without realizing what effects that'll have later on in life. And I was tired, brain fog, just all of it. And to be that way in your early 40s, it just wasn't, it shouldn't be happening like that. Okay. And that's what, something I'm always curious about. So this is happening to you. Are, and you say now this shouldn't be happening to you. But I find many people are not necessarily aware of that. They'll contribute. Oh, I'm getting old. I'm like, you're 40. That's the, Where did you get that that's old, right? That's not how it should be. Did you understand that at that moment, that that shouldn't be happening? Or did you just kind of contribute it to other things? Like, I'm stressed or I'm getting old or something. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I don't know what... Um... I don't know if I really, yeah, I, I realized it shouldn't be happening. <laughs> I, I We had a foreign exchange student coming to visit, and I wanted to do so much for these kids, make mm -hmm. all these plans for them, and I couldn't actually do the things that I did the year before for them. Mm -hmm. And it was like a realization for me that my level of fatigue is not normal. It's a really deep fatigue. Got it. And so, yeah, there was, there was that realization. Well, even though that stinks, I'm still glad that you were able to connect that. It sounds like the shift happened so quick that it wasn't just something that we can write off to age or stress. You're like, wait a second, last year I could do all these things and in one year, yeah, that's not how age happens, right? It's like over 80, 90 years that we actually get to a point where we're like, okay, maybe I can't go run 20, 30 miles anymore. I got to slow it down a bit. But guys, I always try to stress this. Anytime this stuff's happening rapidly and rapidly could be a year, yes, that's when we have to put our detective hats on and kind of wonder what is, what's going on here. So what was your first route, Debbie? Did you take a more traditional kind of route, like go to the doctor and try to see what was going on? Uh, no, not really. I've never been that person. I've okay. always been naturally minded, <laughs> always want to do things natural. Uh, so I was starting to dabble in the functional health space, finding people, following their protocols, mm -hmm. started studying with Dr. Sarah Gottfried and her hormone cure, because this was a hormonal issue, I believed. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, found Sean Croxton. From there, found FDN. Nice. And when I, you can run functional labs and actually get concrete evidence or look at certain areas, it was like, wow. So always naturally based, but didn't have um, a natural physician or anyone to go to, didn't really know what that looked like. Okay. And so this was like, wow. I'm always fascinated by this. I'm actually obsessed with the idea of like what allows some people to think this way, because I know, unfortunately, I think all of us do or can think of an example of this, a very intelligent, very wise person in our life that ended up dying because of the condition that they had, because they refused to see outside of that paradigm of Western medicine. So I haven't been able to contribute it to intelligence, a specific type of personality or anything, really. I'm always fascinated then with what allows this person to think more naturally. So um, when you say that you've always been this way, was there a parental influence? Was it just something that you had a curiosity about as a kid? Like, what, what does that mean that you were always just naturally oriented? Where did that come from? Yeah, that's interesting. Who knows, right? So my parents are Scottish. Uh, my mom, because they immigrated from Scotland to here, never really let us watch TV much, always made us go outside and walk. So mm. was there that, that you know, education there? I don't know. Um, I've, I've always been environmentally conscious and all of that. I never really had water bottles when I would have host parties for my kids' team sports. <laughs> I'm the neurotic one that was filling up pitchers of water with my water filter. <laughs> um, so I, I've just always been aware of this. All, I, I want to treat nature with nature. And it's, you know, the body tries to find homeostasis and balance. Mm -hmm. And so everything can be balanced naturally. Okay. And so I've always been inclined that way. It's good enough for me. I think that's that's really what I've seen more than anything. Everyone typically answers. You're actually kind of a, a cool, rarer case where 10% of people will say that they kind of always just had this awareness, this idea that this makes sense. And I think that's actually very logical because as humans, we should have this intuition that nature is something that we should be in alignment with. I always make a joke that as smart as we are, we're the only humans that need nutrition facts and meal plans to figure out our diet. Do you think I have to tell a bird or a snake or a cow or whatever what they need to eat? No, they just go and figure it out and they know exactly what they need to eat. So it's almost like our intellect has outweighed our intuition, just what we know we should be doing. And there is this an awareness. There's also this uh, aspect of people just have a feeling that what they're being told doesn't make sense about their condition. And I always encourage people, if something is not making sense and you're actually getting the treatment and it's not working, yeah, go try something else. Feel free to go away from that path. I'm not suggesting that we act like we know more than doctors. Most of us do not. But 
you don't need to be a doctor or a genius to figure out that what you're being told might not be working, as was the case for so many people that come on this podcast or work with us as FDNs. So yeah, that's a fair time to be like, hmm, I'm doing what you're telling me. It's not working. Maybe it's time to go away from that beaten path. So you kind of had listed off quite a few things with finding Sean Croxton eventually getting into FDN. Uh, What was the first thing that might be naturally oriented that did work for you for the fatigue? And it could be a 10% type of improvement. I'm just curious to find, like, was it a dietary change, supplements? What was the first thing that worked to move that needle with the fatigue? I don't think anything works in isolation, so it's hard to say what exactly what it, what what was it. Okay. But if I did have to say one thing, I would say it's the raised awareness and the decision to make the changes. So mm-hmm. it was first at the mental emotional aspect of here I am. I ran these labs. I paid this money, and I'm going to heal myself. Mm-hmm. And then it was the dietary shifts, and that's what made the no gluten, no this, no this, no this a little bit easier. And then there was the supplements to help support that came in. So it was all of that. Uh, But really, first, it has to come, I think, with the decision to actually want to do this. And the labs really help be like, yep, look here, look here, look here, look here. You had said something similar to that off air, and I believe the exact same thing. I actually, I wrote one book on this topic, and it's not a complicated one. It's more just something, it was a personal goal. It is not the best book out there, that's for sure. But of all the complicated health stuff that you and I both have the capability to get into because of our training, the first thing in there is the mindset stuff. And I recommend that if people have never done personal development, they've never done a uh, damn thing related to that, the first thing you should be doing is when you start your morning, I just want them to listen to 15 minutes of something positive. And they got to do that for 30 days. And actually, my girlfriend and I, just before we got on here, we were grocery shopping and now uh, we got back to be able to do this. We had literally been listening to Jim Rohn the entire way over because I do not go away even on my busiest days from 20 days uh, or 20 minutes, I'm sorry, of personal development material, whether that's reading, audio. Sometimes it's more, it usually is but at least that 20 minutes. So what does like what does that actually mean to make a decision? Like everyone would think, well, I bought the labs. Of course I made a decision. Can we just elaborate that on a little bit? Like how does someone get into that right mindset or what allowed you to get into that mindset? Because again, some people will take these health conditions to their grave, unfortunately. Yeah, in some ways that's a really deep topic because mm-hmm. that goes into the self-care. And when we're talking about the self, that's self-analysis of yourself. And are you willing to show up for yourself? Um, so it's, it's, uh, you know, it's part of what I, what we do when we're thinking of who to work with. And I think that the longer I do this, the more particular I get with who I want to work with Mm. because they are a part of this, a huge, big part. And really in the, am I worth it? Should I, can I do this? And then, you know, being the, the coach or the guide or whatever along the way to keep giving him that information, but it's that initial, uh, showing up that needs to take place. So why is it for one versus the other? Um, I don't know. That's an individual thing. And sure. I do that work with my clients. I do that work with the you're worth it. We're doing this for you. This is for your bones. This is for your body, for your life, for the rest of the the years you have in this life to make them be the best that they could be. Fair um, enough. And, and I that's what I, that's my big one. That's how I usually get people to make the decision or to stick with the decision is how many more years do you have left? Well, I shouldn't even say it like that. That just sounds so mundane, right? Or there's a there's a better way to say that. Think of all the years you have left to live in your life. Mm-hmm. How do you want to live them? Yeah. And that is what I go for that, that future them that would be healthy and have energy. And in my case, stronger bones, more confidence and not feel fragile and breakable. <laughs> That's, I, I just think it's cool because the reason, obviously we're about to talk about osteoporosis today, but I love that this still starts with the mindset stuff. And that's, you can get all the labs, you could have the best practitioner in the world. And yet there's clients all the time that don't really do so well under that practitioner. And there's others that have life-changing or even life-saving experiences. And I think there's some complexities in that outside of mindset. But generally speaking, it's going to start with, did you actually want to change? Have you done the work necessary for that? And I think it's amazing when a practitioner can also offer that to clients or at least have the awareness around it, which you clearly do. Uh, Because yeah, it's typically a lot more than that. And there's also this fine line, like they might have the mindset and I'm not totally talking about myself. They might have the mindset to get them to a certain point and then they plateau off and they can't realize why they can't get that last 10, 15%, even though they know what to do. And that's when I had to start diving into the deeper stuff. And I'm still working on that. Right. But I was so able to fix the 85% because that was where my personal self-worth and self-standards were that last 10 to 15%. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't so bad. So I had other stuff that I, I needed to work on. And I, I think it's cool. I really, 
I underplayed the significance of that when I first got into this work. I was all about biochemistry, all about the labs. Very important stuff. But if you don't identify that there's other things, I think it's a really incomplete program, generally speaking. Totally. And we're all works in progress. And for as much as we know, and as often as we can run labs to look deeper, and many things come up after subsequent labs, uh, still we're works in progress. We slip. We're only human. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we do the best we can do. And then I think when you take it in totality, if I look at Debbie today from 2014 to where I am today, and I look at my energy and just how my level of health, and I realize that it is the decisions I make every day, all day, that got me to where I am. And and that's kind of what I pass on to my clients. Mm. And um, Jen Maleka, I'm in her programs, love her. I think nice. she's the best thing since sliced bread. She's my mentor. <laughs> she's my, I always tell her I could be your mom, but she's like my, you know, she's been amazing for me. Um, she starts off her programs with that setting your goals. And I think that if you have that, like, so I say, think about the the years you have left to live and how do you want to live them? And really having that, this is why I'm doing it, because that's when those slips or trips or, or you know, decisions of, oh, there's that gluten or whatever, or not really fully, you know, saying, oh, I'm gluten free. But then we find like anti-gliadin and, mm. you know, gluten all over the place in people um, really deciding to go from I won't eat bread anymore. But wait, oh, I need to also look at labels and oh, is gluten here? Is it here? Is it here? So it's that, you know, real deep goal and self-care model that gets people to really stick with things and, you know, get over the hurdles when you come to them. Because I mean, I don't, I'm sure with you, with your clients, but yeah, things are great. Da, 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 and then oops, things happen again. Right. Cause you have to, it's a constant um, self care showing up for yourself. What are my goals? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Yeah. I, well, I love that you brought up Jen. Jen was who got me in the FDN course uh, years back. I saw her co- talking at a coffee shop in San Diego. There's like 20 people there. And she was obviously trying to get clients. And quite frankly, she did. If you've ever heard Jen talk, she's going to get a client. That's for sure. Uh, but she also got a practitioner out of it because I was just so fascinated by what she was talking about that that's how I, I got into this. So yeah, Jen's awesome. And it's just, it's cool to see her consistency. And she's still doing this better than ever before all these years later, right? Um, I also love what you I like that you have that positive spin on the how do you want to spend the rest of your years. I think there is some validity to, I don't even want to call it a negative one, but a little more straightforward way of saying that because that's actually what I use with myself. And I use this when I'm self-conscious about something that I'm needing to not be self-conscious about. Um, use Well, you really shouldn't ever be self-conscious if it's just normal life stuff, I guess. But I use it for a lot of things, even motivation-wise. I do remember, and I think it was Steve Jobs that said this. I forget the exact quote. But it was this idea that remembering that I'm going to die is like the number one thing that motivates them. And I, I, I never want to look at that in like this morbid, scary way. But when we're just focusing on silly stuff or we have the same problems year after year after year, I do remember that my time here is so short. And how much time do I want to spend with the same exact problem that I already have the solution to? All I got to do is get into the right mindset to fix it. Or especially, I think that was one of the biggest things as someone who used to be very self-conscious. I mean, I couldn't talk to anyone, let alone people on a camera or podcast. It's actually sometimes crazy thinking back that I, I do this as a job when I couldn't talk to anyone without blushing or being scared. But what I did, Debbie, is I just kept reminding myself, I'm like, Wow, I'm spending all this time worrying like, does my hair look good? Or does this person, you know, think I'm too skinny or, or whatever? Like all this stupid stuff. I'm like, is that how I want to spend my very limited time here worrying about this for hours and hours every single day? It's just not it. Easier said than done, but it's a good reminder for all of us when all else fails, in my opinion, to use that as a motivating factor. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Evan, I'd love to speak with you. I'd love to even have a podcast on that, but just wanted to say <laughs> my clientele. I'm, I'm in my mid fifties. My clientele is typically 55 plus. So I'm, mm-hmm. I have people that are, you know, in their sixties, seventies and eighties. Yeah. So we're at the point in our lives where I think that is something we think of when I speak to somebody like my kids in their twenties, I say, this is your one big, amazing life. How are you going to live it? Yeah. And you need to be the best you, you need to be healthy so you can do that. Showing up with energy every day, not having gut issues or whatever the issues are. So it really depends on who I speak to. <laughs> yeah. And and also when you ask me my questions about how do I get into this uh, uh, also, that's why I do what I do because that is what is a big driver for why I do what I do because I got to that place when I was 50. Hmm. Okay, cool. So when you, I'm going to go back to when we got into FDN, Sean Crox and all that stuff. Yeah. When you got into the world of FDN, from my from what you told me before, maybe it took a few years before you actually 
decided to go full in with FDN. Whenever you did end up doing it fully, what did you find from the lab results? Was there anything like really surprising that helped your own health while you were going through? Because I feel like you were pretty good with this stuff before going through FDN probably, but I'm sure there was some healing opportunity that was found on those labs, right? There was. And I also found out how I actually am healthier than I realized, right? So okay. if you don't have energy and you don't have this, that, and the other, I realized like, wow, not so much is coming up is what I would say. Um, sure. But what I did find was H. pylori. So eradicated H. pylori, improved my digestion, got rid of foods and realized the need to get rid of foods, especially gluten and dairy, alcohol. Um, yeah. I used to have a, a motto in life when I, my kids were little, when life gives you kids, make margaritas. You know, when life I've never you, heard that. It's funny. When life gives you kids, make I mean, when yeah. life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I was like, when life gives you kids, make margaritas. <laughs> that's what I did. Uh, so I used to drink all, all the time because that's that's managing your emotions, right? That's mm-hmm. calming you down at night. Coffee is waking you up and still dealing with the nervous system on some capacity and the mental layer of the nervous system. Um, but yeah, the H. pylori that I found, the food shifts that I made were huge. And then realizing that you need, that we need supplements to support um, mm-hmm. initially a little bit more probably. So those are my biggest shifts, I would say. Okay. Now, before we get into the main topic of the day, which is the osteoporosis stuff, because people need to hear about that on our podcast, I want to go to the hip thing that happened with you in your early 50s. So was that, did you have osteoporosis? What was going on with that? Okay. 44 years old in a crazy yoga class, burning the candle at both ends. My hip joint was torn. It was torn actually by the teacher. They pushed me. I felt a pop in my hip. For five years, I tried to manage that. And that's also when I was going through perimenopause. So 2014 is four years into my physical injury in my body. Because as we know, the three areas of stress that lead to ill health are musculoskeletal, biochemical, and mental emotional. And we do a lot of biochemical here with FDN in our labs. There's also that musculoskeletal aspect. And then you and I spoke a little bit initially about the mental emotional. So had that injury and that was um, a big, like that, it contributed. It was part of the whole cascade, the whole metabolic chaos, the whole everything chaos. It was the chaos, part Mm -hmm. of the chaos. So, okay. So this was not like a diagnosis of something necessarily. It was just, Hey, this happened to me and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Well, so it was my bones, right? It was my hip Mm -hmm. joint. And so Mm -hmm. I went into bones. I went into joints. I went into that. You don't usually have a DEXA scan, which is how they diagnose osteoporosis until you're menopausal. So they usually don't do baseline manograms until somebody is either entering menopause or is menopausal. And you do a DEXA scan and you get a reading. Five to seven years post-menopause is when the greatest decrease of bone density happens. So right around that 50 to 60-year-old range, maybe 55 to early 60s is when you're going to really get the readings. You go to osteopenia first, and then you go into osteoporosis. And that's when it starts to go here because now you feel fragile and breakable. Okay. Um, So for me, it wasn't a diagnosis. I had a torn labrum in 2015. I had MRA, not an MRI. MRA is when they do a dye and it's called an arthrogram. Um, not, you know, imaging is an, I know, I didn't know that either. And yeah, even, never heard of that. I love this podcast. This is the best. <laughs> it's MRA. It's an arthrogram because they do a contrast dye in your joint and they're looking at the joint to see the health of the bone and to see mm-hmm. the tissue in the bone. So we died. I was diagnosed in, yes, I was diagnosed with a torn labrum, which was in my hip joint. That's soft tissue, not necessarily bone yet. It was the bone that was being affected, right? It was that and, and arthritis. So yeah, I guess there was a, a um, diagnosis of arthritis. At, okay. at 50, 49 years old. That is really interesting that you, for those on audio only, um, Debbie had like kind of pointed to the mindset more. I think that's what you meant when you're talking about feeling fragile or breakable. And you instantly took me back. The only real major injury I've ever had was uh, breaking my foot. And that happened several years back. And it's actually only in the last year that I finally was able to run again and play basketball. I mean, it was years of this stuff. But so much of that, even though there was real pain, it was real. There was so much of this was this idea that, oh, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. I had a constant paranoia that I had never had before in my life that I'm going to break or whatever. So I can't even imagine because this was practical. I got pushed in basketball. It made sense. I can't even imagine when it's something that's less practical than a sports injury and someone is maybe one of your clients having this osteoporosis diagnosis and now everything feels like it's subject to breaking or being super fragile. I feel like that could really get in your head. 
A hundred percent. It's your foundation. It's the, it's the center of your body. It's how we do everything that we do. And so that fear that came into you is exactly what comes into my clients or those with a diagnosis. And listen to this. Guess what the number one disease of menopause is? The number one. Well, I feel like I, I was about to say, yeah, I'm like, is this a trick or? <laughs> That's the number one disease. I did not know that. I did no, not know that. Most people don't. So, you know, we worry about breast cancer. And actually in my age group, breast cancer was always the thing I think that was in the forefront. Now I think cognitive decline is really taking over the fear of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's the number one disease in in, in a menopause. And okay. it it's really that feeling of fragility and being breakable that then stops you from participating in life in the activities you did. Like you said, as a young guy, you were a little cautious for a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Then you become cautious, so you move less. Well, when you move less, you lose more. Use it or Thank lose God. it. So, And not only do you lose more musculoskeletal, it affects your biochemistry, as we know, because you're not going to get that movement that you need, and you're not going to utilize the, the whatever the byproducts and everything the way we need the detoxification pathways the mm. sweating and all of that so it's just the it just becomes i guess that like reed says a cascade and chaos yeah. hey guys it is detective ev here popping in really quick i just wanted to let you know if you don't know already we will be at paleo fx this year and depending on when you're listening to this hopefully you heard it before paleo fx happened we have a huge booth an excessive amount of fdns coming and a lot of our fdns will be speaking in one way or another ben azadi will be speaking reed davis will be speaking a few times i believe i'll be speaking once we have an fdn panel that'll be there jen maleka will be speaking all names that you've heard on this podcast if you've been a longtime listener we're absolutely taking over paleo fx so you can check out our booth there say hi to us we love to see you. Personally, it is going to be my first time at Paleo FX, so I'm very much looking forward to this. I've been going to a lot of the biohacking conferences for FDN recently with the team, and I've been having a great time. I've been to a ton of conferences in my life, but I've never been to health ones, really, ironically. And it's like my people. I love getting to talk to you guys and meet you. So if you are going to be there, come say hi. Also, if you are interested in the FDN course and you've been listening to the last few episodes, we now have a way that you can try FDN completely for free, no credit card required. We want the people to take FDN that actually need FDN. We know the people are out there. (laughs) We know that if we could somehow advertise to all 7 billion people in this world, FDN would never have an issue. We'd have plenty of people, more than we could ever handle coming through this, and we'd all be able to do great work for the world. So because of this, we thought it was fair to allow people to actually try FDN. How do you do this? You go to fdntraining.com slash try FDN. That is fdntraining.com slash try FDN. Again, no credit card required, nothing like that. You'll get an opportunity to see if this course actually is for you. And then if you're still maybe stuck on the fence and you're like, all right, I thought this was good, but I'm not quite sure, then you can just go to fdntraining.com slash call and you can book a call with one of our advisors. So go to fdntraining.com slash try FDN to try the course. And if you still feel that you need more after that, you're thinking maybe this is the right path, then you can go to fdntraining.com slash call after that. All right, back to the episode with Debbie Robinson. Yeah, that's a really good point too about not moving as much because that's exactly what happened. I mean, I was... Of all the things I've done stupid health-wise as a young guy, uh, that was just never one of those things. I was always very active. I never like found a particular sport that I loved, but I was playing basketball at the Y. I'd go weightlifting, I'd run, I'd hike, all these different things. Bike, I love biking. And then it just seemed like, wow, I'm kind of pretty sedentary. And thank God I'm someone who actually remains like naturally skinny because I realized, wow, dude, your thing, like muscles are getting weaker. You don't have as much resilience that you had before. And thankfully I realize this now, but I, it was a good taste of my own medicine because I think when I was younger, I had much more judgment towards the world for many different things. And I'm, I try to move away from that now and not judge other people. Certainly have plenty of work to do there. But I had this judgment around like, how do these people, like people that are 40, 50, whatever, I'm like, how do they lose this all? You know, how do they stop being physically strong or active? Because I know plenty of 40 or 50 year olds that do this. And I realized how easy it would have been to happen to me. I'm like, dude, you've been sedentary almost for three years. And you are aware of this stuff. So how easy do you think it is for most people? They get one injury, they stop playing that sport that they played in high school or college. And then, yeah, of course they lose it over the next 20 years. They're busy. They got kids. They got a family. They got a job. 
I think we just need a lot more awareness around this and definitely helping people with that mindset side of things. If they're afraid and feeling fragile all the time, that's the last thing we want them to feel. So when you're working with your clients now, um, where does this start? Like, I don't know how, for those that don't know, the FDN system is one that teaches you how to do things and you can copy that exact system. But we also don't put people in a box. There's absolutely ways to be flexible with this and you might have a different profession or a different certification or even a degree that you came into the world of FDN with before and maybe you mix that into your practice. So with whatever unique blend of stuff that you have, I'm curious, like where do you start with clients? I'm someone that has this, I'm wanting to work with you. How does that look? Well, of course, the intake. And Mm -hmm. for me, mostly everyone I work with has osteoporosis or bone loss of some sort, or even is in the aging category. Um, So it's the intake process. You mean when you say how to... Yeah, I guess that that was quite literal. I should have worded that better. (laughs) Um, I guess I just meant like, is it, do you run all five labs? Do you have any different interpretation with that? That's kind of what I'm getting at. So I want to help them uncover root causes of bone loss because that's really what is the key for them here, right? Osteoporosis, first osteopenia, then osteoporosis is bone loss. And you made a point about when you weren't as active, you lost muscle, that's sarcopenia. Well, after Mm -hmm. your mid thirties, There is more loss than there is gain of bone tissue and muscular tissue, which will then contribute to less nervous communication, nervous system communication with the muscles. So then you go into a weaker balance. So all of these degenerative aspects are happening when we leave our 30s. So imagine 30 years later when you're in your 60s, what that degeneration can add up to. And then it depends on what did you do in your life before this to get here? You know, did you have an issue or an injury? Did you have a diagnosis that that made you more feel more fragile so you weren't moving as much? So, um, okay, tell me the question again. Well, I was just kind of talking about what it looks like when you first start with the person. Okay, so like, yeah. I just if you run all five labs and it's yeah. kind of standard FDN or... Yeah, so root causes is what I'm looking at. And so I do uh, question them. And I would say that in my population... Um, they need to be able to be digesting, absorbing, and assimilating their nutrients. Mm. And so that becomes a really big part because what I notice is a lot of the ladies that come to me are on this slew of vitamins, right? They think they should be taking calcium and magnesium and this and that and the other. It's not even about the quality. They're taking this bone formula, this hormone formula. And Mm. when I have them show me what they're on, I'm like, wow, look how much calcium you're taking. Look how much this, look how much that, because they're not really thinking like that. So for me, my, my labs that I run are not necessarily the five standard um, FDN. And partly because I got certified in 2017. So some of those are newer labs for me. Sure. Um, I do the Zoomer panel, the food Zoomers, because food sensitivities, you know, when I'm going to say no dairy, especially no gluten, right? So gluten with thyroid and gluten with osteoporosis are just big, it's a big no-no. Um, I know that, you know, we say not gluten-free for a lot of different things, but there's certain, like with the thyroid, the gluten molecule it, uh, looks a lot like the um, thyroid molecule or, or receptor. So you actually will not let thyroid, which is a master metabolizer, get onto the cells. Well, with bone um, health, it's also a big factor in bone health is gluten. So the Zoomer panels give me a really good, okay, here's Susie Q. This is what you you can or sh- or can't eat or should or shouldn't be eating, right? Because your body is having an, an inflammatory response and inflammation is also a big part of osteoporosis. So I really try to look for root clock causes and root causes of inflammation. So I do a Zoomer panel. I do a GI map to look for leaky gut, like what's getting into your system and, you know, everything else that we we look for on that panel. I do uh, Dutch because that's hormones. Hormones, especially estrogen, is very bone health protective. And you have to have, even though we are in menopause and we have less hormones, you still need to be utilizing them, metabolizing them, and and being the best you can be is what I like to say. Uh, And then the last one that I run is the hair mineral. Because that can give me, I really love the hair mineral. And often I find a very high calcium known as a Uh, calcium shell. And then that's like, okay, look, Susie Q, you have a lot of calcium in your soft tissue. 99% of it should be in your bones. Hmm. And so then it's, you know, then it's more, you know, we'll look at the supplements you're taking. So really looking for root causes of inflammation, a blood sugar regulation, adrenal function and just kind of giving them an image of like, here's where you're at metabolically and metabolically and biochemically. Okay. 
Yeah. And yeah, so for those, again, maybe listening for the first time, this is what's so cool about the world of FDN. We are going to teach you a set amount of labs in the course that is a system all in and of itself, and you can use every single time. But everything you just talked about, we also train people on in advanced modules or just even through our affiliates or whatever. So then you can kind of figure out your own personal blend. Because yes, I think there's total validity to what you just said, especially with the population you're working with. It might look a little different, slightly different for someone who is really focused in the mental health arena. You know, maybe I don't always need an HTMA. Um, and I'm not even saying that doesn't have validity in the mental health world, right? But I might find that maybe something else works a little better for me with that population. And that's totally cool. We have the flexibility to do that. So uh, this brings up so many questions. I want to start in a logical order. Osteopenia, I have heard of this. Admittedly, I don't know what that is. But you had said this almost in a way that it seems like this always precedes osteoporosis. Is that correct? And then if so, what is it? Yeah. So osteopenia means bone poverty. Hmm. Really interesting. I just, just the Latin part of that is interesting yeah. to me. Um, so osteopenia is in a certain range. And then once you get uh, on your DEXA scan, so it's all according to the DEXA scan results, uh, then there's a range that goes into osteoporosis. And you have a greater increase of fracture risk when you're in that osteoporotic state because that's less dense, not necessarily less quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so less dense bones. So yeah, osteopenia and then osteoporosis. Okay. So yeah, just to be clear, whether or not it got caught at that time, osteopenia would have to have preceded osteoporosis, a real diagnosis of that at one point. Is that correct? Um, you know, that's an interesting top. Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, could somebody be on some kind of crazy medication, like especially cancer medications <laughs> where the bone loss was so significant and so quick that it would automatically go there? I don't know. I mean, there's a range. Okay. Negative one, uh, negative point, 1.0 to negative 2.5 is osteopenia. So there is a range before you go into osteoporosis. So I would say that normally, yes, there you are osteo in osteopenia. Although a lot of people don't have DEXA scans until they're 60. So not yeah. everybody gets a baseline. Not everybody is running them early on. Um, so you don't really know. And the DEXA scan that they're comparing us to is that of a 30-year-old population. Hmm. So they actually look at your, whatever, wherever you, there's a T-score and a Z-score. They look at your bone density in relationship to what it would have been at its maximum. They take a general um, Got it. group of 30-year-olds. Okay. So we have that sarcopenia. That's the muscle loss. That's muscle loss. Learning all these cool things from you today. Now, the DEXA scan, that's the other thing I actually you kind of just beat me to it. I wanted to go back to because admittedly, I have you're opening up a lot of uh, different topics for me, which is really interesting. It's I always learn something on the podcast, but it's rare that someone comes on. It's just multiple things. I love that. With the DEXA scan, I admittedly had always thought that was something in a lot of like functional wellness or gyms or fun- functional wellness studios or gyms where people are getting their body fat percentage measured. So this is something that Western medicine uses for osteoporosis as well. Yeah, this is wow. ordered by your OB gyne, um, and usually postmenopause. You lay down; it's a really low X-ray. Uh, light is going through your body, and it's whatever it picks up. It's really hmm. low. I think that is the term low emittent when they talk about uh, how how much of, of the light. Anyway, that makes sense. So it's yeah, I don't really low, and they do it every two years. And bone metabolism is at a very slow rate. So usually it's an, you get it done every two years to see, um, did you, you know, improve or not? And then that's a whole other topic about improving. Cause <laughs> if you listen to Western mo- uh, medicine, they're going to say osteoporosis cannot be reversed. And that is so not true. So there isn't as much information about the reversal. Um, yet I, it's happened for me. It's happened for so many people I work with. So, yeah. Yeah. It, to me now, it's more a question of like where, because I've had, uh, well, one main one that was an incurable disease. I mean, I literally was told, they tell me at 18, I'm going to lose hearing in one of my ears. Well, I don't use the medication for that. I haven't in five years. I don't have the hearing loss anymore. So what do you call that? I call that cured. And it's just, it's amazing the things that get told. And it's by, just to be clear, well-meaning people that really do believe what they're telling you. If they had it, they would say the same thing. But it's just... When you're in this world, especially as someone who is lucky enough to get to talk, I'm, I'm interviewing people with these stories, right? All the time, I hear the craziest things, seemingly craziest, that got reversed or cured. It's like, okay, well, I, I more wonder like what the limitations on that are. Like, How much can we heal? Because it doesn't seem like there's a limitation on it right now. I mean, yes, we get old and we die. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. I'm confident of that one. But do we have to do that in a way that's just filled with misery and these crazy diagnoses of cancer, autoimmune or whatever? I, I'm really moving away from that. I, I don't believe that. So we've learned a lot already. Really cool. 
I am curious, when you're taking on these clients, are you finding that there's other notable correlations? Like, do they have other things commonly? Are their teeth messed up? And that's completely, that might be an unfounded question there, but I, I feel like in my head, I'm like, all right, well, if they all have calcium shells, like, is that affecting their teeth? Like, do they have other problems commonly outside of just the osteoporosis? That's really a smart question, actually, Evan, because, yeah, the, the nails, the teeth, and the bones are made of similar substances, right? So that's really smart. And when I, you know, I have bigger programs that are more expensive, right, where I run all my labs, and then I have master classes and all these programs that I have people do self-diagnosis. So that would be one of them is look at your nails. What are your nails like? What are your teeth like? So I'm going to say that I do have a lot of periodontal issues with this population Hmm. when they're doing their intake forms. That is something that comes up. I would also say that there's a bacterial imbalance aspect to that too, right? So that's not just about the 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 hardness of the teeth. That's also about the gums. I'm really going to bring in my mind, I'm going to go into the bacterial imbalances in the Hmm. the mouth for that. Um, But I do see, uh, I think I was with one of the clinical advisors and I asked a question do you see a lot of this on your labs, you know, because of their population they run? And they said, no, not really. And I'm like, really? It's almost in all of mine. So I'm starting <laughs> to see, like, what are the things that are coming up more for my clientele? For the for women, um, whether it's, I guess, because most people I work with have bone density loss. And like I said, it's the number one disease in menopause. So it's a, And it's 55% of the people over age 50 have bone density loss at some wow. level. For women, it's, I told you, five to seven years post-menopause. For men, it's not till about age 70 because men don't lose testosterone until around age 70. So we don't see this often. Also, women's bones are smaller, so there's less light being picked up. So it's more diagnosed in females than men. 80% of those diagnosed are female. So this really, um, yeah, it's really, um, it's a big deal. But yes, I see certain certain things over and over. Um, And I don't know if I look so much at the teeth. I really go inside and I go up. Sure. So I go up to see what's going on here. I go up to see what's going on here. Are, are you participating in life? Are you hmm. active? Are you moving? Are you using it so you don't lose it? Um, and then I look at the biochemistry through the functional labs and then the intake forms and my questions with them, right? Because it's everything. It's yeah. all parts of the person. Really cool. I actually, and you kind of, that's my next question because I like to talk about like maybe correlations with other conditions or symptoms that they have. So I find that interesting about the the nails and the teeth and stuff. But then, of course, what everyone wants to know is, yeah, what are you finding on the labs typically with these people? Because I feel like some there's some pretty stereotypical answers that come up regardless of the condition, but I feel like this population might be a little different. So when you're, you talked about the calcium shell with the HTMA, what else are we finding? Are they all actively consuming foods they're sensitive to? Is the gut messed up a lot? Like what's what's happening with these people? Well, you know, so part of aging, like the biggest aspects of aging are dehydration and oxidation. So mm-hmm. on the HTMA, yes, I see that calcium's not in the bones where it belongs. It's outside in the soft tissue often. I mean, often as in a very hard, high percentage. And I don't know what that is, but definitely over 50%. But I also see dehydration. So looking at sodium and potassium and looking at sodium as a marker for potential uh, indicator for dehydration. So I do see that coming up on my HTMAs. On the GI map, I see, of course, anti-gliadin is almost everyone, whether they have uh, high SIGA or low SIGA, so it could be even higher than it is. See a lot of inflammation, see a lot of steatocrete. Um, so is that how you say it, steatocrete? I always say it's steatocrete, but I've got to be honest, I have no idea if that's right. I know, tomatoes, tomatoes. Um, <laughs> I see, hey, we know what it means. That's all that matters. <laughs> I see improper fat metabolism, which is going to be, you know, some of the most important bone nutrients are um, vitamin A, sorry, vitamin D, K, and those are fat soluble, right? So mm-hmm. of course, A is a player there as well, and we need all of it. Um, so they're not even absorbing fat, they're, they're nutrients they need because vitamin D helps calcium be absorbed, which is really part a big aspect of bone health. Uh, so I see a lot of um, intestinal issues, whether it's inflammation, poor digestion, low immune function. Um, I see dysbiosis, I see inf- inflammation, lots of H. pylori, and these women typically have indigestion. So they've been on PPIs. I think a lot of PPI use, PPI use in your 30s and 40s eventually leads to osteoporosis because it doesn't allow the absorption of what's important to be building the bones. 
That is really fascinating. And for those that don't know, PPIs are proton pump inhibitors. Can you actually, do you want to give like a layman's explanation for them? Like break that down, what that actually is, because people have probably maybe heard of that, but they might not exactly know what medications we're talking about. And these are really common, unfortunately. Well, they're acid blockers. So typically people are having indigestion or burning, you know, um, acid reflux. So they go to the doctor and the doctor thinks, well, if the acid's coming in here and burning you, let me stop the acid. Well, we need the acid because the acid is what's going to break down all the food into the pieces that it needs to be broken down into so it can actually be absorbed and assimilated and becomes the cells, the tissues, the organ systems, the bones. And so digestion is so critical. And another thing I would say about my generation, my population and my generation, right? So I, it's me and people a little bit older than me, um, is that there was a real um, aspect of trying to be thin. And, and I know that that exists today, but it's kind of different. There was really this, this drive to drive th- to be thin and to not eat. And then there was a whole fat-free movement that we went through and all of that. And so it's all this like starvation. It's really a form of starvation, right? Whether it's self-inflicted, back to the mind, Evan, always. Whether it was self-inflicted, known or unknown. And then if you're not digesting, so the protein pump inhibitors for these people, it's that symptom management which is just yeah. trying to stop the burning that's there, but it's also stopping digestion. And then that's not going to, it's not going to allow for things to be broken down to be absorbed. It's also not going to feed the good gut microbes that actually produce the short chain fatty acids that, per, that produce the mucosal barrier. So now you're going to have things getting in your system, which is going to cause inflammation and da, 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 mm. da. so it's yeah. Protein pump inhibitors. It's symptom management. See, what's so cool about FDN is you just learn about so many things that seem to not really make sense in practice and then actually why it doesn't make sense. Because what we're talking about here, right? People think, well, isn't that logical? I have too much stomach acid. Because the the thought is that it must be too much stomach acid. The truth is, guys, if you actually do the research on this, there are very few people that have excessive stomach acid. You can actually get only get so excessive with it. It would cause a very legitimate problem that you would not be able to avoid. What's happening is people have too little stomach acid, and it's going to the wrong place. So yes, you're feeling it, and then we treat the symptom, right? But when you shut that down, that is really a bad idea. They were trying to put me on that at like age 14, 15. Uh, because I had GERD. And thank God we never ended up, we being like my family and I never really encouraged me to take it off. And I probably only took the pill a few times. But that's the thing. It's like when we're shutting down that stomach acid, the very minimal amount that I already probably had, we are opening up the floodgates for infection, just uh, right? Because that's what's killing off a lot of these bugs when they first get in. Now you have these nutrient deficiencies as well. We need to be able to break these things down. And it's not as if the majority of our world isn't already nutrient deficient to begin with without these things. It's just no one here is ever, ever, ever suggesting not to take a medication or not to listen to your doctor, but you need to be the one to ask why I'm even on this or what can I do to not be on this in the future? Because I personally promise you one thing, you are not deficient in Prilosec. <laughs> You're not deficient in Tums. You're not deficient in Pepto-Bismol. There's got to be something else going on there that's leading to this. So yeah, if you need a medication because you feel bad right now, that's totally fine. No one wants anyone to be in pain, but we got to be going past the surface level and asking why we even need this to begin with, you know? Yeah. And it's not even your doctor. It would have to really be functional doctor because I know that, you know, H. pylori, you didn't mention that. Um, You were talking about bacterial imbalances, but if you did have H. pylori, which at least 50 plus percent of my clients seem to have, that's going to try to neutralize the stomach acids. It doesn't Mm -hmm. completely neutralize them. What comes back up into your esophagus is still going to burn, but it neutralizes them enough so that they can't digest. You Mm -hmm. can't digest and get all the nutrients you need. So really you have to actually have the a functionally minded person, whether that's an FDN, which I think is really the best, of course, <laughs> we're, we're functionally minded and we're looking for the root causes so that we could stop all of this instead of just, you know, using a garden hose to put out the fire. We want to actually really get to the root cause and, and figure out what's what's going on to stop it at that level. You know, I had to always identify in the beginning of this podcast, like, listen, of course, I'm biased towards FDN. But my goodness, after 130 plus episodes with these stories, I think you guys, it's a fair bias. I think our world of FDN, we really are producing people who have these incredible stories. I mean, I can't believe it sometimes. And then you and I, we haven't really even ever gotten to interact in our years here at FDN. And then I get to hear your story and I'm like, okay, well, 
what the heck, right? I mean, you're doing this incredible work. I'm doing this incredible work. We don't even really know that we're doing those things. It's happening all the time. Um, all these clients are getting results. All the practitioners are getting results. I think when you can see something consistently and predictably happening like that, that's when it's fair to call it a system. This isn't just we get lucky every now and then. This is pretty much consistently happening for most people with a variety of conditions because even though we have certain FDNs that niche in certain things, and that's totally smart from a business sense, we're never treated treating anything specifically. We address everything non-specifically. And it turns out, shocking for most people, you're not supposed to have osteoporosis. <laughs> so when you address everything non-specifically, by definition, if you do that right, the osteoporosis will get better. Um, I can't believe how fast our time's flying here. As someone who is working specifically with this population primarily, and of course, many people that are clicking on this podcast want to hear about this. I'm just curious if you have like maybe one or two client testimonials that were really phenomenal that are coming to you off the top of your head. I always love when FDNs come on and share some great stories that they have from their clients. Yeah. So one woman uh, for like within the first week, what she told me was she said, honestly, it was about a week into this with you that everything changed, that my all my digestive issues stopped. She had had digestive issues for 10 pounds, had not let, lost weight for 10 pounds. She's 70 years old, hadn't lost weight for 10, pa- 10 years. Um, and she, I don't know if I said 10 pounds earlier, but for 10 years, she hadn't lost weight. She'd been in major digestive uh, discomfort, has to get in bed, crawled up into a ball when she's in the throes of it, has a food journal, follows the FODMAP, fo- follows the university. Is it like Manish or something? The, the university, Monash? Not even sure. That, Not even sure. Yeah. So she was journaling her food, really meticulously trying to figure out what to eat, going to restaurants, pushing things around her plate to try to make sure she only had the things she needed and blah, 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 blah. And within a week, because we de- ran a um, Zoomer, we ran the GI map, within a week, of taking out the triggers and bringing in the support with supplementation all went away. And when I asked her four or five months later, okay, what would you say? Where are you at now in terms of health? You know, from one to 10, like, where would you say I'm at? And she goes eight or nine out of 10. And this is, and, and, and she said, I'm like 85% better. I mean, this is like three Hmm. months into her protocol. Um, so it's just really amazing when that happens, uh, that happens often. I would say digestive discomfort is one of the quickest things you can manage when you mm-hmm. do the GI map and when you do the food sensitivities, you take that out and you bring in the support. Um, and then another one, I remember one time she said to me, everyone should be doing this with you <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> yes, they should and tell all your friends. <laughs> Uh, so funny. Evan, the one thing I didn't get to say on this is not I'm I'm an FDM, but I'm also a yoga therapist. Mm-hmm. And I so I really I teach yoga, I, te- I teach bone stimulation, I teach mental emotional management. So it's really a whole inclusive thing for me. Um, the FDN, though, is really the key to helping soften up what's happening to them up in their head, because that mm-hmm. feeling of fragility when yeah. I when we run labs and when they can start really feeling better, even physically. Um, one time one woman, woman said, oh my gosh, it's crazy the amount of energy I have. She goes, I'm like cleaning things and doing things I haven't done around the house in years. That's Yeah, it's awesome. And that first client you said, just to be clear for everyone, that was a 70-year-old person you said? So the first one I'm telling you about is 70. The second one I told you about is 75. My client wow. was definitely, you know, is, and yeah, so it's it's for the first time in years, like to get your life back. Oh, oh and that woman. So now this is like six months into her program. Oh, she's going to Turkey next week. She's wow. traveling. Nice. I, it's crazy. And she's also someone said, I'm not going to do supplements. I don't want to do supplements. And I see her orders every month. <laughs> support is her new friend, best friend, her digestive enzymes, her bitters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told her, she's, I said, well, when you go to Turkey, there's some things you need to take with you. And mm-hmm. I also do the breath work. I do the present moment. I do the, um, the uh, vitamins that I recommend for yoga. Can I tell you? Because it kind of started off. Please. Vitamin T is tree posture, and that's a single leg balance, which strengthens the leg bone, strengthens the muscle, strengthens the hip. Uh, and then the other one that you said that you start your day off with is vitamin G, gratitude. Because we cannot be in the limbic brain and the prefrontal cortical brain at the same time. We cannot. So when you're in here in a place of gratitude, you bring yourself from invisible subconscious thoughts, chronic stress, catabolic breakdown, HPA access to prefrontal cortical brain. And this is nice. where we can be reasoning. So vitamin G and vitamin T, vitamin T is the physical posture. Vitamin G is the mental emotional. And then 
all the other stuff that we get, you know, the supplements that we recommend. It's so cool. And I, the reason I wanted to emphasize that person being 70, and it's even better to know the other one was 75. I had someone when I was doing uh, the course enrollment side of thing here at FDN, I had someone call and I think they were around like 55. And they're like, well, do you think this is too late to start the course? I'm like, what? First of all, we have people that go through at like 65. They've already done a 40-year career and now they're coming and doing something else, which I think is so brilliant. But outside of that, when is it I'm like, unless you're dead, it's not too late. <laughs> if you ask me, like we could always improve our health. No, no one's saying that you're going to live forever. That's insane. But can we always improve someone's quality of life? I mean, yeah, like that's, it's pretty obvious, I think. And maybe it's not obvious to them. Maybe they haven't had the blessing of being involved in this world where you get to see and hear stories like this all the time. But to me, I'm just like, no, why would you think that there's some cap on this? Like, yeah, all of a sudden you turn 55. It's 55 years old, three months in and 22 days. That's exactly when this doesn't work anymore. Like when you word it like that, you realize how ridiculous it is. <laughs> you know, You know, it's so crazy without <laughs> you realizing. I'm going to say that that age that you just said right there is probably when my world started taking off. Yeah, is cool. that very it? cool. That's when it started taking off for me. And, you know, it's a lot. Sometimes it's easier for somebody that's in their 60s or 50s to listen to someone else that's in their 60s or 50s. Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, I mean, I am my avatar. I am my avatar. You didn't ask me this, but yes, I have osteopenia because of my, I had a hip replacement. And and I had osteopenia because for two years, you know, for many years I was dysfunctional. Um, And then two years later on my DEXA scan, I increased 0.2, which is 11%, which is like, wow. And how I do that by running these functional labs, by being the best I could be biochemically, by pulling and pushing on my bones and creating the appropriate stress, using stress as my friend with my bones to make them stronger, to make them have to be stronger for me appropriately. And then that mental emotional management, that stress management every day, all day. Meditation is present moment awareness. You don't have to do it for an hour. You don't have to do it for 10 minutes. It's present moment. It's the self-talk that you have with yourself. It's the self-talk we have with ourselves. It's, you know, we have to do it all. It's, it's all, we're a, we're a mind-body complex. 11%. That's, a, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to guess they're not used to seeing people, considering they think it's impossible to resolve this stuff, go up by 11%, right? Was that a pretty interesting conversation? I haven't had the conversation with her yet. It oh, okay. Got it, got it. August that I got my results. Sweet, sweet. All right. So, Debbie, this has been so much fun. I have want to finish up with a couple more things. One is obvious. Where can people find you if they want to work with someone like you? Because, again, no one has come on that focuses just on this. Okay. My name is Debbie Robinson. I spell Debbie D-E-B-I. So it's D-E-B-I Robinson.com. It's my website. Perfect. Um, and then my YouTube is Debbie Robinson Wellness. I do teach five live classes a week. Two of them are specific to bone health. And my Instagram, Debbie Robinson Wellness. Okay, that makes total sense. You have such um, a wonderful like presence and good like you just seem like you do this more often than not. So that I'm like I'm not surprised by the YouTube thing. That makes okay. sense. And of course, guys, we will have this in the show notes where you can all find it. Um, two more things. So one just is kind of a quick one, but you can answer it as much as you want. So how much of this because you have done so much before, and it sounds like FDN is a huge part of it. But what percentage would you say? is FDN in the success that you're having now in your own practice and doing the work that you're doing? Like how much has that contributed to the success? It's such a large percentage. Um, I've been teaching yoga and I teach for a hospital in Southern California. I teach to nurses, the aging population. That's been great. But to go to this next level has all been about FDN really, Mm -hmm. truly. So, I mean, I'm going to be up there in like the 80 and big, just big things are happening for me, Evan. Like I'm seriously waitlist right now. I'm getting prices. Um, I mean, things are just like for me right now, I feel like I'm gonna have to hire FDN. So if there's any 50 and 60 year olds out there that are getting in, like I I do think that that's going to happen. I'm going to have to have my own, uh, like center where we do this because the demand is ridiculous. I was just on a summit recently. I've, I just had 15 onboarding calls. I just, I can't right now. So it's- That a, is a good problem to have. FDN <laughs> is a lot of this, Evan, a lot, a lot, a lot, because I have a population that has the money to spend and wants to be healthy and knows that they're not like in their 20s or 30s anymore. They're not like thinking that they're going to live forever. They've got <laughs> like, you know, this, and that's, that's, you know, I had a hip replacement at 50. And the reason why I did 51 is because I realized at that point I had 40 more years probably to live, 40 more years. And when I thought about it that way, it made me think, whoa, because I was 30 pounds more than I am now, had a handicap placard. I was not living my life at all. Wow. 
And I made that decision that, you know what? I have 40 more years. I want to live big. And that is what um, is really um, important, I think, is is thinking of it that way. And that's kind of that like that driver. So cool. Yeah. All right. Our signature question on the podcast, it's what we always finish with. And it might it's not necessarily about osteoporosis. It's just a general health question. Our question for you is, if I could give Debbie a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's literally do one thing or not do one thing, what is the one thing you'd get them to do? Vitamin G. <laughs> Vitamin G. I'd get them to close their eyes, connect to their breath, Feel their body, feel their seat, feel their feet, feel their, you know, tushy in the chair, feet on the floor and start bringing into their awareness all that they have, all that they have. Vitamin G, vitamin G, vitamin G. I'd even say to oh, take an overdose on vitamin G. And that's really where happiness is, Evan. And what, what the heck are we here for? What are we doing in our lives, right? So we get so caught up in everything else and then you need to come to like, whoosh, stop right here. So that's the one thing is the gratitude piece. What do I have? Because we spend so much time on what we're not or what we don't have. Mm -hmm. The vitamin G every day. Um, how many doses? I don't know. That's what I should come up with, right? The doses of vitamin G. Mm -hmm. Lots. Yeah. Unlimited. All right, my friends, that'll do it for today's show with Debbie Robinson. I hope that you enjoyed this. And remember, if you have a specific request, if you want to learn about the FDN course, if you want to hear a specific type of topic, all you ever have to do is go to our Podbean and leave a comment there. Just search for the Health Detective Podcast on Podbean. We will come right up. Tell me what you want, and I'll happily post it for you, okay? I'll do the best that I can. Also, if you enjoy this information, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple and or Spotify. If you do that, we will love you more than we already do. Until next time, take care. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon.